Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast channel that puts members on mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Featured in this session, ABCZ, keeping up with the workplace's newest generation, is Laura Morris, Managing Principal, Perkins and Wills. So if Gen Y are the millennials, then what is Gen Z? So some people are saying they're centennials. They're the iGens, you know, iPhone, iGeneration. Um, or are they the digital natives? Well, actually, I have two of these myself. I have a 15-year-old and an 18-year-old. It was really interesting to me because as I was doing all of this research, I saw a lot of alignments and a lot of things that, um, you know, really were like, oh, my gosh, yeah, that's my kids, exactly. Um, so it was, that was kind of interesting. And, uh, you know, this is a generation that is just literally this year is starting to come into the workforce so somebody we need to pay attention to we've really heard a lot about millennials well now we need to get up on the the gen z's because they are very different um, last summer this past summer my firm hired a gen z and her name's elaine and um, she was she's working on a project currently under a very um, um, confident rising star millennial and so I and named Haley. So I asked Haley, I said, so how, how is Elaine doing? You know, she's been with us about four or five months. And she said, she said, her work product is great. She said, but I'm really struggling with the communication. She said, you know, I, I talk to her and, um, and I give her instruction and I just literally feel like it's blank face. I don't know if she's understanding, if she's really comprehending what I'm trying to give her instructions to do. I find that she does things to a point, and then she does. I don't. She doesn't run with it. So apparently, after several back and forths, um, Elaine admitted that she was just afraid to make a mistake. And it dawned on me, I was, you know, because I'd been doing all this research. I thought, wow, that is a classic trait of the Gen Z. They are completely risk averse and obsessed with safety. So if we think about the millennials, they were the ones who were um, confident and really optimistic. The Gen Zers are more pessimistic and they're very fearful um, of their economic future. But on the good side, they're extremely hardworking. Um, they have very reasonable expectations. And I think that that's come from, you know, growing up during the economic recession and watching some of their parents maybe, you know, struggling or being out of a job. So that's very much on their mind. Um, they are also much less narcissistic than the previous generation who, uh, you know, as we know, was kind of a little more entitled. So what we're going to talk about is, um, just real quickly, who they are, how they live, how they learn, their future, kind of look at a comparison from previous generations, and then talk about what does this mean for the future, because, you know, they're just starting in the workforce, so we haven't really had a time to test that yet. So, Generation Z, sorry. So digital natives are those that um, were really born during or after the rise of the digital age. Um, generation Z has the, the complete distinction of being the only generation who has never known a day without the internet, um, which was launched in 1990, or commercialized in 1995. Um, when the youngest of this generation was about 10 years old in 2007, they, you know, the iPhone was launched. And then a couple of years later, the iPad in 2010. Um, and then they will be coming into the workforce really um, from now through the next 17 or so years. 
So this, <laughs> this generation has the attention span of about eight seconds, woo! Um, as compared to millennials who in 2000, they said they had the attention span of about 12 seconds. So, um, you know, what does that mean? These are, uh, the average teen today checks their device about 80 times a day. And I mean, I'm not saying we don't because I know I do a lot and you probably do too. But, um, you know, but that's something that the, the teens and, you know, again, I have to myself, I, I see it constantly. Um, so they've really developed this instant culture with information completely always at their fingertips. So Generation Z, they're born between 1997 and 2014, although some research says 95 to 2012, but you know, generally within that range. Um, they do make up about 25% of the population, and um, they will be the last generation with a Caucasian majority of about 53%. Uh, and of the, their generation, about 25% of them are Hispanic, about 5% multiracial. So they really are the most, most ethnically diverse and tolerant demographic ever. Um, and in, in as little as four years, they will make up about 40% of the consumer population. I mean, that's amazing. So, you know, with, with this eight second attention span, how are we going to market to these people? You know, really target, um, you know, target selling to them and getting them engaged. Um, they've grown up post 9-11 and during an economic recession. So it is really no wonder that, you know, some of their biggest target or their biggest focuses are really about um, uh, safety and security. So a couple of characteristics, 10 characteristics that make up this generation. The first is they're in no hurry to grow up. Um, internet. They have always known the internet. In person, no more. It's not about the face-to-face, -face, everything. You know, they would much rather communicate digitally, if at all possible. Um, insecure. So there is a huge rise in mental health issues. So between 2000, well, really starting around 2010, they started trending that there's been a um, huge rise in teenager depression and uh, suicide, and it's just skyrocketing. Um, they're irreligious, so religious, the idea of religion is on the decline, they're not as interested. Um, insulated but not intrinsic, so they're very safe, they're very risk averse, but they're not really interested in civic duties and civic give, give back. Their income, secure, income insecurity is, is again foremost on their mind. Um, they're very inclusive though, um, equality to all. Um, indefinite, that's their attitude towards relationships. Um, you know, I don't have to have a girlfriend, boyfriend in high school, I'm not interested in long-term relationship, that's gonna be somewhere way out there in the future. Whereas in past generations, it's like, oh, I'm gonna marry the person I met in college, you know? Um, independent, that is their attitude towards politics. So, you know, they really, and it's interesting with the last political election, you know, with all the Bernie Sanders followers, you started to see this, and it's going to, you know, it'll be really interesting to see in the next four years, in the next election, you know, how this changes even more. Um, they really don't align with any of the traditional political parties. So how do they live? Um, all of these factors have really contributed to, you know, to what's going on with them. So I talked about they grow up more slowly, and I thought this statistic was super interesting, but I really see it from my, my I have an 18-year-old daughter, 18-year-olds um, would be like a 15-year-old, you know, in past generations, and I totally see that. 
Um, and then have you noticed how, I mean, kids are not really as interested in getting their driver's license. I mean, my daughter, I had to push her to get her driver's license. None of her friends wanted to get her driver's license. And, you know, she was 17, almost 18. And, you know, it's like they just want you to drive them around or, or walk. Um, but, you know, there's some good things. I mean, alcohol uh, use has really dropped. And, um, you know, and back to that relationship thing, it is interesting. A lot more kids are graduating from high school never having had a date. But that's okay because they feel like um, they're focused really on other things and they don't really need those distractions. Um, they are physically safe. So I've mentioned they make less risky choices, but they're, they're definitely more men mentally fragile. Um, there's a lot more anxiety, depression, and loneliness. And a lot of the loneliness they talked about, you know, just the fact that you're so focused on a device really keeps you, you know, very internal. Um, so we have a whole generation here who really acts and thinks differently than every other generation before them. And their online lives seem to be more important than the idea of, you know, like real life and re reality. They are almost always connected, um, with 46% of them connected 10 or more hours a day. That's kind of frightening. Um, when you go back to that eight-second attention span, the need for quick communication is present in popular um, video looping services like Boomerang, where you've got quick videos that loop, um, kind of like the Snapchat, where it goes away after a few seconds. Um, and the prevalent use of emojis in place of words for text messaging. Additionally, they definitely prefer things like Snapchat and Instagram, um, while Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn are, are not as interesting to them. The idea of email, well, email is snail mail, right? Um, and anything with a stamp, that's got to be ancient mail. I mean, who would ever do something like that? And then not surprisingly, their favorite website is YouTube, and this is astonishing too. 70% of them spend at least two hours a day on YouTube, and I can personally attest to this. My 15-year-old son shows me constantly. He wants to show me all these YouTube like loop videos and stuff, and I'm just like, I don't have time for this. But, but anyway, but they're on YouTube a lot. So you know, thinking about the video, I mean, that's a way to really attract them because it's quick, it's visual, and and they want that. So with the world at their fingertips, what does this mean in terms of how they learn? Because a lot of you, you know, you know how you learn is how you want to work in the future. So um, motivational speaker Matt, uh, Mark Prinsky wrote an article called Digital Natives, uh, Digital Immigrants, and he stated that children raised in a digitally media-saturated world require media-rich learning environments to hold their attention. So they do know how to self-educate, and a lot of them, I mean, about 33% are doing their lessons online. They're reading textbooks on their Kindles or on their tablets. Um, they're doing a lot of, the, they're, they're doing a lot of, and I see this with my kids too, they're doing a lot of collaboration um, virtually online, online classrooms uh, to do projects together. They're doing a lot of their research online. But one of the problems with that is um, some of the information that they're finding on the internet is not always accurate. You've heard about people can go in and change Wikipedia. Um, so what, what they need to be taught is really critical thinking. Um, how to go in and really search for sources and evaluate information um, to make good choices and, and to understand, you know, I mean, there's so much fake news out there that, um, you know, how, how do they determine which, what is really the, the correct news. So they're also very reluctant to read in detail. So give me just the highlights. I don't want to spend a, ton, a lot of time reading a lot of details of a book. 
Um, they want variety in the classroom. So a lot of uh, teachers today are looking to, um, you know, basically have a lot of variety. So it's a combination of lecture, videos, and discussions. But a lot of these kids also, they're really not interested in speaking up during discussions. They're, they're fine with, you know, they, they just kind of want to listen or watch. Um, but that is a way to try and engage them. Um, and then, you know, the other thing is they're not really sure about their opinions, and that's probably why they don't speak up. They need a lot of reassurance. And then they want to go to college, but it's for a better job and to make more money, back to that income insecurity, versus to improve their mind, which, you know, previous generations were all about, you know, much more esoteric and thinking about that. So, whereas millennials really needed a lot of praise, the Gen Zers need a lot of reassurance. Um, they are practical, they're serious, they're anxious, pessimistic, but they do have a very strong work ethic. So some studies say that they would rather own their own business and, versus work for an employer, but others say that they would like to have the safety and security of working for someone else who takes the risk. So I think this one, you know, we don't quite know yet because they haven't gotten into the workforce. This is all based on surveys that are done with high school students, but we'll start to see over the next couple of years. Um, they are interested in becoming well off and they're less focused in the meaning of the job. Um, I was kind of disturbed when I saw that they're not as interested in creative jobs because they think they're lower paying and so they just want jobs that make a lot of money and you know I'm in the architecture field and I thought that was kind of depressing. But um, they also tend to be nonconformist rather than materialistic. So it's more important to them to stand out versus fit in of previous generations. So they may not um, adhere to the conventional paths to success followed by some of the previous generations. But you'll see a resurgence in, you know, with the, the do-it-yourself cultures today and the use of crowdsourcing, and that's really shaping how they think about their future and employment. So I'd like to look at, you know, like how do they compare to some of the past generations? And we'll talk about this slide for a minute, and I, I do actually, if you're interested, I have a couple of I have cards up here if you want this. Um, you can take it with you. Um, so just I'll, I'll highlight two things. So the aspirations of the pre World War II generation was really, you know, I want to own a home. And then baby boomers, I want job security. Gen X was work-life balance. Um, Gen Y, you know, give me my freedom and flexibility and don't make me work too hard. And then Gen Z is really about security and stability. And looking at their signature products that, um, you know, the older generation, it was like, I want an automobile. Baby boomers, I want a television. The Gen Xers, I want a personal computer. And then the Y, they wanted a mobile phone. And then with the Gen Z, it's like, I want an iPhone. So I thought this was interesting, too. Literally, Apple has a complete monopoly on the adolescents. I mean, if they have a smartphone, that's great. But they really, 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 really only want the iPhone. So if you invest in Apple stock and you saw the earning numbers last Thursday, I think they become the, became the um, most profitable company in the world. It was pretty amazing as far as their, their cash flow and everything. So, let's see, where was I? Oh, here. So what does this mean for us as employers as we have to think about attracting this generation to the workplace? Um, so technology is really blurring the lines in how we live, work, and get around. 
Um, you know, you see WeWork, Airbnb, Uber, and Lyft. I mean, they're growing so fast. And, you know, we may need to look at other ways to attract them. So Gen Zers may not be as good at writing a resume, but they're really, really good at putting a video together. So there are apps um, like JobSnap that allow an applicant to upload a video. And um, if, if employers were to allow Gen Zers to uh, be able to apply online with their phone to do applications online, you'd probably get a much broader and better pool of applicants. Um, they want jobs, that, but they also, you know, like the previous generation, they don't want a job to take over their lives. They want a safe workplace. You know, one of the things I, I keep hearing about safe places in college, and I didn't get it until I started reading about this, and it's this whole safety and security. So does that mean we have to have safe places at work? I don't know. Or that we just have a safe workplace. Um, but, you know, the other interesting thing is managers may have to act more like therapists or life coaches or, or really parents for this generation who's grown up a little bit more slowly. So what's next? As someone who works with a lot of clients on workplace strategy and trying to think about, you know, ways to attract um, employees to come back into the office, you know, a lot of clients have mobile work policies, telework policies. Um, you know, what is going to be right for this generation? And I think it's going to be kind of a combination. So, you know, we talk a lot about choice in the workplace, and I think that's going to become even more important. The idea that they can still get away and have some sort of focused quiet, focus quiet time, and then areas that they can interact and engage and collaborate with people. Um, we also, we should probably look at the classrooms today and see how they're learning and take some cues from that in, in how we're dealing uh, with designing in the workplace. Um, and then I think we need to become, um, we need to, you know, we could also come up with things like, we're starting to do this in our office, where we have meetings with no devices. Because, you know, that whole idea of the face-to-face -face and, the, and the engagement is like, leave your device at the door or turn it, you know, turn it over and no laptops. I used to work for a company that every single meeting, every single person had their laptop open and they were like this or like this. So, you know, I think things like that, you know, we may have to look to things like that to get, to get that engagement and that focus. Um, but, you know, we'll have to, uh, and I think that that'll help have a more blended culture with all the generations um, and help them engage more in the human world versus the virtual world. But really, we'll just have to watch over the next five years. And I think if they can free themselves from, you know, the iPhone and shrug that cloak of fear, they'll be able to fly high and really become um, a rich, diverse group and part of our, part of our workforce. So that's it. Thank you. This concludes the Cornet Global Podcast on ABCZ, keeping up with the workplace's newest generation. Want to record a What's Next podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.